It is that time of season, you know? Yeah. It is. We are recording October 17th right now, and uh, this episode probably won't air until Christmas. Mm. So, uh, so we're gonna shove a pine tree <laughs> up our ass. A bunch Pull. of presents up our asses. Have a holly jolly Christmas, y'all. Doesn't so, sound very holly or jolly. I don't know. Sounds painful. You kink shaming? I mean, it's a tree, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. All right. I guess I wanted to see, but I thank you for the intro. I, just I feel felt like that the spirit, was, you know. That was definitely the spirit. Shit. Dick. I think this um, is when you need that sound. It's like... Pom, 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 pom. Oh, yeah. HP Lovecraft. Uh, they're remaking uh, Call of Cthulhu. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. That looks so good. I um, I think it's coming out on console uh, a little bit later than PC, but I think I'm going to get it just because... I remember, I think it's our first episode that you're on that we talk about how your first, like, crazy game experience that you could, like, remember fucking uh, Innsmouth mm-hmm. <laughs> in Call of Cthulhu. Um, yeah. That shit stayed with me. <laughs> and it's like... Yeah. I'm excited to see what they can do in the next one because I don't know if you saw the trailer for it, but it's absolutely... It amazing. It it's absolutely going to be in it. Yeah, um... <laughs> I, I don't know what the last real horror game I played was. I, I want to say Layers of Fear was the last one I was, like, dedicated to, but I played Little Nightmares a while ago. Um, really fucking loved that. I think I talked about that on uh, Tom Bongbadil's episode 104 or 103, whichever one he's on. Um, no, I don't think I've heard of that. Little Nightmares. No. Somehow these these European dudes were able to make a game that is like purely based on my nightmare, <laughs> and <laughs> and it's essentially you're a little kid going through um, a giant barge ship in the middle of the ocean called the Maw, and from the bottom up you have to work through the sections of the ship, and um, it's some haunting shit. Um, The bottom level is a babysitter who kind of corrals the kids and his arms stretch all the way across the room. Mm -hmm. And um, he's blind, but he could like listen really well. And his arms just like kind of like tumble over each other and try to feel you out Mm -hmm. as you run away from him. And um, the second level is you turn. It turns out that when the kids get sick or when the kids are fat enough, he, he kills them and sends them to the cooks and the cooks put them into food like meat, meat pies and uh, fat customers come and stay on like the cruise ship 
uh, just like eating children and getting gluttonous and shit. And um, the head of the ship is this like geisha with like nightmare powers. And um, you fight your way like all the way up the ship. Um, I say fight. That's like really loose because they're probably like four or five times your size. So what style is it in? Is it, it's not a platformer. I, I would it, it is a puzzle platformer. Oh, okay. it's a um, puzzle platformer. It's kind of like um, aesthetically, it's like watching a Tim Burton animated flick. Um, mm-hmm. I say that, but mm-hmm. the only ones he's done is Corpse Red and Frankenweenie. But it's probably more um, Henry uh, Hen- Henry Selick Coraline. Okay. okay. It's a little Coraline esque. It's kind of that like every awesome. everything looks almost clay like, mm-hmm. and it's very cool. A very minimal depth of field, but fun use of backgrounds. Um, I could probably show you later. I saved a couple clips on my um, on my Xbox. I think my favorite one is from uh, the prequel that was released after the game. It's about another kid opposite the one you play as in the main campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, also trying to escape, but this one is escaping from inside, not uh, by happenstance. And he falls all the way to the bottom of the ship, which is the sunken quarters. And in the sunken quarters, pretty much throughout the entire level, this like bubble trail follows you. And if you ever get caught, it's just like one long fingernailed arm that comes to the surface and fucking drowns you. Oh, shit. And um, you swim away from it the entire level, and you never really get a glimpse of what it is until like the very end. Mm. And it's just this old woman with like like stretched features and um just a three rows of teeth you know Mm -hmm. like she just um oh man she's just haunting and um i gotta check this game out oh dude it's so fucking cool um yeah i'll show you some of it i I, it probably wouldn't even take very long to re-download it on my console if you wanted to play it for a couple minutes because it's 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 a crazy fucking game, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, man, it was my nightmare as a child. You still have those kind of nightmares? No, I don't think I have for a very long time. That's I think good. I think it it was very size and stature related. It wasn't like I'm not afraid of old people anymore. Like <laughs> you know, when I was little, yeah, yeah, I had a lot of anxiety being around adults. So I feel like um, that's kind of like a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The other basic nightmares as a kid were like spiders. Oh yeah. And, uh, masked slashers that Mm. would just follow me throughout. Like a dream would start and I'd be like, wow, it's a dream. It's nice. And then in the background, there'd be like someone watching me and I'd slowly start to get more anxious about it. And and then the entire dream would morph into a fucking nightmare (laughs) where I just spend the entire time running away from like a... Michael Myers-ish character. It's now, you know, well, right now, in my time, it's October, and uh, I've, been get, I've been playing a couple of spooky, well, just one spooky game. You know, it's might have heard of it. Uh, the Sims 3, Supernatural expansion. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me more. Um, I've just been, like, not playing as, as many new games, even though I've got, like, a backlog on Steam of a couple games that I should play, but I don't. Don't know why. I play games that I've logged like 400-something hours in. Instead. And never start a new game. Yeah. I'm at the same spot right now. And All I my st- friends want to play the same shit over and over again that I don't even touch my yeah. campaign games. And then I have the gall to look on the store for new games to buy. And I'm like, what are you doing? I, I 
do this thing every once in a while where I try to build like a sim character with uh, a really shitty life. Yeah, man. Give him like all the worst uh, traits all at once. Get him a shitty little apartment somewhere. You know, make a real fuck up of a person. And I did that again, and uh, I'm actually starting to get envious of this fuck up's life because at the end of the day, he's got he's got his home home. <laughs> He's got a shitty, beat-up fucking car that's like cost 950 bucks. He doesn't pay insurance on, and like, he did get some related. You showed him the fucking ropes, and he's turned it around on you. Yeah, it makes me mad. I want to fuck up his life. I want to make him a piece of shit. And this guy's like, the, even though everyone at his job hates him, he's like the best chef. You're the you're the type of person who starts a Skyrim run as a wood elf. <laughs> <laughs> And that's really fucked up because... Uh, and changes nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Man, everyone's going to hate me. It <laughs> starts the campaign. Get away from me, elf. Yeah. Be gone, elf. <laughs> you elves are all the same. All flash and no fury. <laughs> Oh, man, I always want to play Skyrim. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are we getting a new one of those? Probably not for another two years. Did you hear uh, Elder Scrolls Six was uh, announced? Yeah, and by announced, you mean like we saw a wallpaper background for your desktop? I mean... And then the, and then the title card showed. Listen, they're going to take some... I don't care how long they take, judging from what Skyrim, how like... That's another one of those games that I've got like a bunch of hours in. I don't even care if that makes me basic. Like, it doesn't make you basic. I, got, I also got a lot of mods for it, so fuck you. I have like a hundred. I have, I have like four hundred hours on that game, man. Yeah. Oh, I've had I've had so many goddamn campaigns. Mm-hmm. Although I will say I've only ever done it on the 360. I'm not the type of person who's bought it four times on four yeah. different consoles. I think I bought it twice. So I bought it at launch for a PS3, and then I got it for a PC. Cause duh, you know what I'm saying. Those mods. Yeah, and then just like all the bug fixes. Like when I finally played it on PC, I was like, "How the fuck did I ever play this on the console?" Just yeah. from the simple UI changes alone. Like when I like played on the uh, on a console and I like go to the start menu and I'm looking, I'm like, "What the fuck is this shit?" Yeah, where am I? What am I doing? Yeah. What am I able to do? Yeah. Um, there are just so many texture and light like patches and upgrades mm-hmm. and mods that just like. They make the game just so much more aesthetically pleasing and, and, and magical to play. Almost a completely different game as well. Like uh, this one mod creator, Mikhail Mods, or Mikhail Mods, I don't know how to pronounce the name, but he makes like... Is ama- he the one who makes like expansions and shit? No, I don't know if he's made any expansions, but he's probably biggest for his creatures. He's got all these crazy new cre- like like uh, not Draugr, but actual zombies, uh, fucking giant... Fucking so spider women, which are... <laughs> so he's a... <laughs> uh, some so he's, fu- a cre- he's a beast creator. He's not yeah. some... See, I've heard of people who have made whole towns with plots and, yeah. like, adventures and shit. Oh, there's the guys who... Um, sure AI, who made Enderall. That took him, like, what, four years to make it? It's a completely different game with completely different mechanics, but all built on Skyrim. And that was beautiful. Oh, man. That's what I mean. Like, you just get so much... Mm-hmm. And uh, sadly, I have yet to do my own build and and really get into it. I've just watched a lot. Mm-hmm. You even get that with uh with, with the Fallout series. These guys coming out with Fallout Miami. Yes, I saw that. That looks fucking lit. I was like, oh, how isn't the, why haven't these guys just been hired and and told to make it? 
Because they probably have jobs where they are developers, but this is what they're doing. Like on the side, is fun because their developer jobs are like, yeah, I'm a code monkey, code this. Yeah, I completely agree with that, and I think we have the tools to to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it it makes for a very exciting uh, amount of possibility. Mm-hmm. Ga- no, no one, no one quite knows how to make a game like a gamer. Yeah. I think some of the best stuff I've seen has come from someone who just acknowledges everything they've wanted to see in a video game. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I'm sure uh, Punxsutawney Trill would love for the name drop on this one, uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Oh man, that game looks amazing. I know. <laughs> so it's just like, this is a game painstakingly put together by a team of people who just literally want to create this experience like mm-hmm. and it's all they've worked for <laughs> it's just like it looks so beautiful i really you know what it reminds me it of it really is it looks like if someone made a new shadow run game but like i mean i don't know if there's Real any game. like aspects of magic in cyberpunk 2027 i don't think I don't there think is so. but still it's about as close as to like a shadow run game as we're going to get Pretty much. I just... I, I even mean... I just mean, like, craft. Mm-hmm. Like, every building is an actual building that you could go through all that's, the floors of. That's amazing. Like, that's what... Every... That's what an open world game should be. Every character has a path that has something to do with the system of the game. It's just... it, The mapping... Mm-hmm. The sheer scale, uh, it's mind-blowing shit. Mm-hmm. It's the type of shit that got me excited about Skyrim, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the same shit I, I heard ten years ago going like, oh man, and they're gonna have entire countries, man. <laughs> like, like, it's just so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. It's such a good time to be a nerd. That mm. is truly our golden time. It is, you know, it's right before the world is going to end, so it's, like, it feels real great, you know? Honestly, if enough boomers die, or we get rid of, you know, <laughs> enough people, 100 particular companies, uh, you know, the world might not end, you know? Hey, old people can get uh, I've said this exact opinion die. on... <laughs> I've said this exact opinion on several other episodes, mm-hmm. so... Oh, man. Maybe we'll be lucky, and- <sighs> Not destroy the world. Maybe. Mayhaps. Because I'm pretty sure there was like a bit, bit sound. So, we're reading a, a story today. Um, we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're just going to read one long one. Um, we did a two-parter. Uh, how do you... You you mentioned that you listen to your episodes pretty often. I imagine you have like a critical opinion on them. What uh, What do you like the most? Oh, I mean, I, I listen to my episodes maybe once. I, like, recommend them to my friends and stuff to, like, watch. But, uh, no, there, there's, I think even the second part of um, the last story we did. Ouija I, board. Yeah, Ouija. I uh, can't bear the sound of my own voice, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I didn't listen. Um, I started to, and I was like, no, go away. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I've actually, I think a couple other people have had that exact 
moment of interaction with themselves on the episodes. I think what I like the most about your episodes specifically is kind of the uh, the breadth of material. It's just like each of your episodes so far have shown like a different aspect of what makes this show weird. You know, like... Um, different flavors of spooky. Different flavors of spooky. Um, it's almost... Uh, I don't know anyone who... It seems like every time we get together that a different, like, material is done. You know, like, mm-hmm. with people, I tend to stick them in, in a corner and say, this is what we're going to do on the episodes. But I feel like ever since you've come into it as being, like, a fan first, mm-hmm. I think I've just tried to always throw something new at you. I think this this one today is going to be particularly weird because I can't think of the last time I read something like this. And I don't even know how to like vaguely put that, but I feel like this is almost going to be most comparable to Mr. Widemouth episode like 30 something. Okay. With, okay. with Terry the Tickler, I you know, like, it, like I felt like this might be um, just from the name. I thought it was going to be kind of like, uh, you know, the one go to sleep, go to oh Jeff the Killer, Jeff the Killer, Jeff the Killer, also Terry the Tickler mm-hmm. episode, I think thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the Mister Widemouth episode. Which one is it? Mister Widemouth might actually be in the teens somewhere. That might be like episode uh, eleven or or like fifteen or sixteen or something. Um, that's it's it's a weird one. Um, it's a kid. It's a kid with like an imaginary friend. That I, I feel like um, just looking at this title, it's kind of where we're gonna be going. And mm-hmm. what I would like instead of Mister Widemouth would almost be like a a bedtime ish mm-hmm. thing where it's like, yes, it's a kid. Yes, this is an exaggeration, but it's grounded. It's not so much campy. Mm-hmm. You know? By the way, we're reading a story called Mr. Smiley. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about that yet. Oh, um, fuck. There's an episode in the 80s called um, Funny Mouth, which I also <laughs> read with Terry the Tickler. And, um, fuck, he, he really... He really gets some of the... The spo- mouthier parts. Spoopier, like, creepy... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, um... He's had Funny Mouth, Mr. Wide Mouth, and Jeff the Killer. Uh, that's, that's pretty interesting now All that I think... All mouth characters. He gets the big mouth characters. Um, Should I leave this for him? He seems like he's your big mouth guy. No. Um, let me let me see if I did put his name down. I actually did put you his did. name down. For he's, your, he's your mouth man. No, we're going we're gonna to do this. Mouthman Chronicles. We're going to do this one because I actually want to do this one. I kind of imagine this... Uh, Te- um, Mr. Smiley got a. Do you remember uh, from Cards of Cowardly Dog? Yeah, yeah, Fred. Yeah, Fred. Was it the uncle? I think or it was Muriel's a, cousin. Muriel's cousin, or something like that. Some because f- I was feeling naughty. It's not for kids. <laughs> that show is not for children. Oh, I love that show so much. I love, I love the vague metaphor that. It's just all about a scaredy dog. Yeah. Seeing the world through a dog's eyes. Yeah. I also just love how fucking terrifying that show is sometimes. It's, it's not a even legitimately like scary show. Oh, some of the episodes were really fucking bad. Like, the cat that played handball. 
That was terrifying. Yep. Um, return the slap. That the man and goes, the man and goes, King Ramses. Yeah. I that love that one. Bad. There were a couple, but one, some of them was pretty funny. Like the, uh, the time uh, Eustace got that foot infection. Yeah, man. And the gangster yeah, see? <laughs> we're going to rob the bank. So yeah, yeah, see? I, I, I'm a big fan of Robot Randy, who sounds like a... Robot Randy sounds like a Christopher Walken. Oh, yeah. I just want to carve reindeer on the moon. Um, then there's the Sean Connery snowman. I'm a real big mm-hmm. fan of him. Yeah. I, I just want to play with my friends. I don't want to be the old maid. <laughs> Man, there's so many good fucking characters. I think uh, Dr. Gerbil. But my friends call me Lulu May. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know who else really likes this show? I know we've talked about it before. Episode, like, 12, it's, um, Sir Booberry. He fucking loves this show. I think his, uh, his favorite's the Cajun Fox. The Cajun Fox Stew. Who dare? <laughs> um, and a bunch of baby ducks. He's also talked about this show on an episode, I think, like, 15. Uh, he, he also really likes, uh, King Ramses. Yeah. I think uh, I think that show taught me a couple valuable lessons uh, about life, and it's that uh, everything's kind of fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No other show really did that for me as a kid. Think about the fucking Courage Losing His Parents episode. It's fucking nuts. It's terrifying. I don't think I remember that. The one with the vet. The vet sends his parents to the moon and he never sees them ever again. Jesus Christ, that's dark as hell. Especially. You've never seen that episode? No. <laughs> I think it's the season fin- or the series finale, actually. Jesus Christ. It's it's how he ended up with Muriel. He was a baby and uh, his parents were taking care of him and he got lost in the city once. So they went to show up to the vet to, uh, to see if he was found. And the vet turned out to be a, a fucking scientist who was testing shit on dogs. So he, he would, like, test them and then send them to the moon to see if they could survive. Jesus and uh, Courage watches his parents get sent to the fucking moon, crying the entire time. And he he, uh, he, he escapes from the facility from this frankly terrifying-looking scientist. That's when he's found in the alleyway by Muriel in her younger age. And she takes him home to live in the middle of nowhere. Jesus Christ. You've never seen that episode? No, and like from the perspective Dude, the of a vet dog. Is so, yeah, from the perspective of a dog, the vet is the vet is. I no wonder he's scared of everything now. I'm showing you a picture. <laughs> this dude was fucking nuts, man. Dude was terrifying. Jesus Christ. That's why he's afraid of the vet. I mean all dogs are inherently afraid of the vet, I think. But that guy, uh he looks like <laughs> so many fucking scary episodes. Try to paint a picture for you guys. If you were to get uh, Dr. Eggman. Or Robotnik. Robotnik. There we go. Dr. Robotnik. But like... Pingus. 45 years older and with a beard. Yeah. That's kind of what this guy That's kind of what the vet looks like. Yeah. (laughs) It's almost exactly what he looks like. It looks like you know that he has uh, some sort of Eastern European accent just by looking at it. Did he in the show? Um, no, I think he just spoke in garbled yells in old man language. It was very terrifying. So he's from the South. Okay. Kind of. 
Oh man, Mr. Smiley, what's what's your impression of this story? What do you think we're gonna get up to? Someone's gonna get fucking bitten. <laughs> That's what you go to? <laughs> yeah. Mr. Smiley is gonna bite somebody. Uh, this is um, probably gonna involve a child because this sounds like a child's like what a child would name something. Imaginary friend. Yeah. I feel like um so Channel Zero is going on right now. I talk about it all the fucking time. What that? Um, Channel Zero is the show that they made on sci-fi based off of creepypastas. Oh, shit. Each season is a different creepypasta. Oh, shit. You didn't know this? No, I did not. Such a good fucking show, man. I uh, need to make a fucking SCP show. Season one was Candle Cove. Season two was No End House. Mm-hmm. Season three was The Search and Rescue Park Ranger Stories. Holy shit. And season four is, um, the one happening right now is called, uh, the story it's based on is... Uh, I found a hidden door in my cellar. Um, we've read each of them. Um, yeah, they all sound... Dude. Candle Cove I read on episode 10. No End House I read on 19. The Search and Rescues I've read on early, all the early Django episodes leading from 4 to somewhere in the 30s or 40s, I think. What's this? Patient Zero? What's this called? Channel, Channel Zero. Zero. And season 4 right now is probably the coolest fucking season um, they've done yet. Because it's about essentially what happens to an imaginary friend after you stop believing in it. And yeah, maybe, but uh, this one's a little bit more literal. It's almost like Inside Out had a nightmare baby. Mm. And um, in Inside Out, it's uh, what's his fucking name? Bing Bong. That scene is heartbreaking in that in that Pixar movie. But. Uh, Pretzel Pete, or whatever the fuck he's called in Channel Zero, is absolutely nightmare-inducing. <laughs> so, I, um... Dude. He... How could I have been sleeping on this show for so Oh, long? I'll, I'll, sh- I'll show you the trailers. It's, um... It's quite a, it's quite a fucking show. I actually mm. own the first three seasons. Oh, and shit. the fourth one is happening right now. Um, they aired the first episode on the first day of October as, like, a freebie for whoever wanted to watch it mm-hmm. and then they're doing episode one through six because it's just a six episode miniseries every season they're doing all six days leading up to halloween every mm-hmm. night leading up to the 31st so they're starting on the 26th and doing all six episodes all in like one week and um i'm so fucking pumped because the first episode that they aired early was some of the best visual horror storytelling that I've seen in a very long time. You want to get into this shit? Yeah. And and remind me after this to show you Channel Zero. I definitely have to because that shit, that's a... Because I could sh- show Especially if it's four seasons long, I know when I'm going to be fucking... It's, it's also only, it's like watching a six hour long movie. Hell yes. Each episode is 45 minutes to an hour long and there's only six per season. It's like watching three creepypasta movies. And I was coming over for something to like binge over a long time, but this will satisfy the hole in my heart. It will now. also satisfy all spooky Halloween vibes that you need yes. to feel. Because they each, it's almost like they each take after a different director. Season one is very almost um, Shyamalan-esque. It's very um, not sure what, the if it's the main character hallucinating or if it's actually happening. Season two is very... Italian horror. It's very aesthetic. It's very art house. It's it's a little more metaphorical than literal. Um, it fucks with you, and it's the right. It's like um, it follows. You oh, know. Oh man, that's a good. 
Yeah, No End House has those kinds of vibes, if you if you remember remember the story. I do not. Um, a haunted house that's rooms change with your fears. Season three, um, it's called Butcher's Block in Channel Zero, but they take the stairs in the middle of the woods and kind of make an entire story around it. So it takes after the search and rescue stories, but it's mostly a, um individual single story about mm-hmm. sisters who find stairs in the middle of the woods and it's very um hp lovecraft uh cosmic horror um which is really great because they take some of the imagery from the search and rescue series and they make it work um in a completely different way Mm -hmm. for the tv show and then what's happening right now is almost like a it's almost fincher-esque it's very thrilled it's very... I guess Carpenter would probably be a better example. It's very suspense. It's very um, slow and steady. It, the build-up um, to, to the dynamic action in season four is it, it, tenuous. You could, you could cut it with a fucking knife, you know, the, the tense feeling in each scene. Season four is really... It's, I've only seen one episode and I can already tell it's going to be like the best fucking season. You know, it's just one of those things. And, um, it's happening right fucking now. So by the time people listen to this episode, it'll already be done. So go check that shit out because I don't know if we're going to get any more seasons. Each season I think goes down in viewership, but the seasons just keep getting better. So for me, it's, it's tough to support the show when it's probably on life support. Go um, peep that. Save the show. Don't be sleeping on it like me. I mean, I, sh- I share it with everyone. I feel like anyone who comes on the show who hasn't heard about it, I end up talking about it. So I've been spreading it as Just much as I them. fucking can. Yeah, I've... Uh, pay your boy. He's been plugging your shit. So I've been dating Thotamus Prime since episode <laughs> 100. You, le- you like her name, don't you? I know you don't, but... I like it. So, so. I'm just like, at the same time, like, I'm both expecting that, but expecting more. I don't know, but like, it's a very complicated feeling. It is. It is. I understand. So, Thotimus Prime, she, uh, I've, it took me a hundred episodes to find a girlfriend. <laughs> That's the joke. That's the joke. It, uh, oh. See y'all it fi- works. Just start a podcast. There are fifty-two weeks uh-huh. in a in a year, mm-hmm. and I got her just in under two uh, just in under two years, a hundred episodes. So um, nice. so ever since we started dating, it's gonna look like seven weeks, but I don't record. <laughs> I don't record that often. Mm-hmm. So to the viewers, it looks like seven weeks, but it's actually been three months, and um. I've already shown her, like, all of Channel Zero because she never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And whenever we hang out, we just watch. We watched, like, two or three episodes and yeah. got got through the entire season and and are now waiting for... Um, the rest of season four. Yeah, season four to actually, like, start. Dude, shit's nuts. And they're doing, like, an imaginary friend thing right now, so I feel like this story is just perfect for the occasion. Well, hell yeah. By then, I'll have seen it, and I'll... If I don't uh, feel like my voice is clawing at the chalkboard in my ears, mm-hmm. I'll listen to this, and I'll be like, yeah, man. Yeah, man, fuck you, yeah, dude. finally out, dude. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my inner monologue voice. 
That's what that hand symbol means. I know y'all can't see it. Shaking it. <laughs> He's doing the choo-choo train. <laughs> Mr. Smiley from Reddit No Sleep. Also, um, I feel like I haven't mentioned it in a couple episodes. Um, we're really fucking stoned. And uh, I recommend you get some Mr. Smiley in you. Is that what it's called? Right now. Is that what the kids are calling it in the streets? Because Mr. Smiley sounds that's what the like kids call me. me. Oh. What? <laughs> <laughs> you looked like really disgusted for like a split second. <laughs> I really appreciated it. Um, I'm smoking something called Strawberry Fields right now, and it tastes exactly like a strawberry. I'm smoking a clove cigar because I'm a full cigar. <laughs> oh, it's true. He did that earlier. <laughs> I haven't been back to my childhood home in years and don't even remember the exact address. I still live in my childhood home. <laughs> oh, shit. I remember how the street looked, though. How the drive waves curved along the cul de sac like a symmetrical smile. No one in my family has spoken the name of that street in years, and I suspect my parents think that Jessica and I don't remember the house. After all, I was only eight when we moved away, and Jessica was four. Practically a baby. Actually, that's four years more than a baby. Yeah, that's one That's year a significant amount of time. It's been two decades. I'm now 28, and Jessica is almost 24, and finally finishing college. She didn't know what she should major in at first. (laughs) Who does? Am I right? Her college is across the country, but we still try to call and text each other as much as possible. The other night, she called me out of the blue when I was already in bed. I picked up because I was worried there had been some kind of accident or emergency. Instead, I could hear loud music in the background, and Jessica sounded drunk. Ellie! She yelled, using... The childhood nickname my family used to call me. Do you remember Mr. Smiley? Uh, I just remembered how he used to play with Mr. Smiley all the time. What happened to him? Before I could respond, she laughed and hung up on me. (laughs) My mind raced. (laughs) Jessica had never ever brought up Mr. Smiley before. I had always assumed that she was too young to remember him. The next day, I called her after work. Hey, Jess, do you remember calling me last night? She groaned and sounded hungover, even though it was already 2 p.m. her time. I was at a party, she said. Why would I call you? Well, you did. I continued unnerved. And you mentioned something about our old house you talked about. Mr. Smiley. Who the fuck is Mr. Smiley? Jessica asked. What a stupid name. Anyway, I need to shower and somehow make it to class before three. Oh, poor you, I said. I've been up for the past ten hours already, slaving away in my cubicle. Whatever, she said. I gotta go. Love you. No, that's sweet. Always in the conversation. (laughs) Love you. It's been a week and I can't get the conversation with Jessica out of my head. What conversation? She she said, who the fuck is Mr. Smiley? I've tried to talk about it again a couple of times, but she just gets annoyed and tells me that she doesn't remember saying anything like that. 
I know that if I brought it up with my parents, they would get angry with me. After all, they've spent two decades avoiding the subject. And none of my friends would believe me, so I guess I'll just post about it here for you folks. We moved into the house shortly after my mom gave birth to Jessica. It was our first real house and after having lived in a string of apartments for my earlier life, so my parents were pretty excited. The house was modest, three bedrooms, a small front yard, and a backyard patio. Jessica and I shared a bedroom and the other room was used as my dad's office and as the guest room. The house was arranged so that there was a long hallway that led from the front door all the way to the back of the house. It almost felt like you were passing through a train corridor. Our room was in the very back of the house because my parents felt like it was the safest. We had one window, looked out on our backyard patio. I remember when I first started seeing Mr. Smiley standing on the patio and looking into our room. I called him that because he had large, bulbous, round head. Almost like that of a smiley face sticker. It was too dark to see his actual face in detail, but I could make out the faint shadow of a smile. He stood with his hands in the pockets of his jacket, just looking into the bedroom. When I saw the strange figure standing outside our window, I screamed for Daddy right away. He ran into the room and I was hysterical. I had even woken Jessica up and she was crying loudly. When he looked outside though, no one was standing in our backyard. My parents chalked it up to an overactive imagination. They brought me over to sleep in their bedroom and put Jessica into the travel crib. Don't worry. I remember my mother saying reassuringly, Daddy searched the whole backyard. Nothing was out of place at all. No one can get to you. Even though I was only five years old, I had a sense that this wouldn't be the end of it. And unfortunately, I was right! Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. How do you feel about Mr. Smiley? He had a big round head and sometimes smiled. That ain't no good. That ain't no good standing outside. That ain't no good. I like that, Mr. Smiley. He doesn't strike me as a good I don't like what he's about. I don't like what he does. Fuck him. (laughs) I really don't like that he stands outside the little girl's windows. Yeah. That's not... (laughs) I don't know if... uh, It's not where anyone should be, much less misters. I agree. Yeah. I agree. The weird thing about Mr. Smiley is that he only appeared in the window when Jessica and I were alone together in the room. If my parents were around, I could rest assured that I wouldn't see him. Every time my mom told me to go to the room and play with my toys, I felt the same drop in my stomach. I knew... I knew this. I sat on the bed and, uh... took out my plastic tea set. I'd see that shadow in the room, in the window. First I told my parents when I saw Mr. Smiley, Mr. Smiley was right outside before lunchtime again, I'd say, and the, uh, and he was there last night, watching Jesse sleep through the window. It was weird. It was weird. My father went outside to check the backyard with a flashlight and a baseball bat the first four or five times this happened, but after that he just told me to go back to bed, kiss my forehead, and shut the curtains. I tried to tell him that I could see the shadow of Mr. Smiley's head, which scared me the most since it seemed to rest on an impossibly thin, long neck. Daddy just sighed and tucked me into bed. I think that that's always, like, the worst part. It's not just the boy who cried wolf syndrome, but it's Mm -hmm. the, um, it's the lackadaisical ignorance of parents ignoring, like, the fear of a child. Yeah. It's not so much... He's doing it for attention. I don't think it it has to be about tone. You know, like if a, if a kid was physically describing an unsettling 
feeling to their parents. Mm -hmm. I feel like the right parents would probably never get lazy and give up checking. You know? like yeah. I, I feel like, um... I feel like the ignorant chalking it up to a child's imagination is almost... Well, it's a plot. It's a, it's a plot device. It's, it absolutely is. Yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to say it like a stereotype, but it's absolutely a mechanism in creepypasta stories yeah. that and I can that I can really. never really. That's it. Even with like depending on what you're any, talking about, pretty much any horror with, that involves like children seeing ghosts or something. The parents never believe the kid at first, and it's always like, you're right. What kind? Of, no, who has that kind of imagination? Like, how special do you think your little fucking yeah. snot no shit is? They're psychic, or ghosts are appearing to them. That's about it. It's fucking believable. I feel like, I feel like Poltergeist op operates on like a different frequency because the parents almost like immediately believe their children. Yeah, I think that's like one of the only situations I can think of where that's not the case. Mm. We'll leave the light on. He says. No, don't. <laughs> Protested. I had the sense that if we uh, left any light on in the room, Mr. Smiley could see you in the room and watch her every move. I overheard my mother and father talking one night in the kitchen. She's just acting up because of the new baby, my mother said. It's normal behavior. I talked to Cheryl about it, and she said that a girl, Emily, she did the same exact thing. She started crying about being afraid to sleep alone just so she could get the attention. Daddy sighed. I figured as much. I figured as much. I guess we just can't put up with it. Or it'll keep happening. And that's when I knew my parents wouldn't believe me about Mr. Smiley. I was on my own. I also wanted to note that if he's afraid that having the light on means that Mr. Smiley can see him, I also feel like leaving the light on would let him see Mr. Smiley. Okay. And that also sounds like a no-no. Yeah. <laughs> After that, I got used to the shadow outside my window and uh, came to realize that Mr. Smiley wasn't going to come in and hover over my bed in the middle of the night. After a few months that we moved in, Daddy found a dead rat in our doormat uh, with no apparent wounds and he just threw it away. A few weeks later, he found a dead pigeon placed neatly on our doormat, breast up. Neighborhood kids. He growled. He grumbled under his breath. Then Adam was kept coming, a mouse, a sparrow, another pigeon, until my father installed a security camera above our front door. Nice. He found it for $20 at a flea market, and wasn't even sure if it worked, but after that, the animal stopped coming. Sounds like a cat. I guess that's what they want you to think. That's terrifying. <laughs> These things... Things were normal after, after that for a while. I could still feel Mr. Smiley's presence outside, when I was inside by myself, though. I wouldn't go out in the backyard by myself, and my parents just assumed that I was an especially cautious child. When I went out with my mother or father, the small, neat yard was quiet, serene even. I started going to school, and didn't have to be home at all, I didn't have to be home all day anymore, which made, uh, which made it easier to forget about Mr. Smiley's unwelcome presence outside my bedroom window. All that changed, though, as Jessica got older. But she started crawling, babbling. Things became stranger. And night after my parents turned off the lights and tucked us in, I'd see her lift herself into the sitting position and look out the curtained window. She'd wave her chubby little hand, laugh, gurgling, and just Devin delighted laugh. 
And first I thought she was gone, just being a baby, responding to nothing. Stop it, I'd say, throwing a stuffed animal at her, I'm trying to sleep. Um, I'm not sure if you know this, but uh, I feel I would feel remiss if I did not mention that Harold Heavy Hands loves when I make baby noises. You wanna you wanna and I feel a like I feel like a a gurgling delighted laugh. And I feel like he would, uh, he would always be surprised that I think I think he screams every time I make a baby noise. <laughs> I didn't know there was like there was like a uh, a face that went with it. That's um, that caught me off guard. Fucked me up. <laughs> See, I'll just like look at him with the same face and then make the noise, and he'll just always scream like after I do it, like. <laughs> Oh, man. Stop it! <laughs> oh, man. One night, I got frustrated and walked over here and grabbed the tower to shut the fuck shut up. The, shut the fuck up, you little piece of shit. No. <laughs> Give you SIDS, you goddamn oh, Do you get SIDS? Or does SIDS happen? <laughs> I mean, if you put a stuffed animal over their head, you get oh, okay. SIDS. You do get SIDS at that point. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> As she, as she waved and gurgled out the window, <laughs> I realized she had a completely different vantage point from the crib than the one on my bed. From where I stood, I could see the rounded outline of a shadow creeping over the edge of the window. Mr. Smiley was standing right outside our window, close enough to press his face against the glass. And Jessica was waving and smiling at him. Of course, I screamed like hell. My father came running into the room and found me standing by the crib screaming while Jessica looked completely unperturbed. What is it? Daddy asked. I pointed out the window and kept screaming. He rushed out again, just like he had months before. My mother sat and patted me on the back, telling me to calm down. My father spent what it seemed like forever outside, and, he had all, and all sorts of terrible scenarios ran through my head. But when he came back, he was fine, although his expression was grim. He had a trash bag in his hand. Someone left a dead cat in front of the house. I couldn't find anything at all. And then when I looked at security footage, I don't know. I just can't understand it. From her crib, Jessica clapped and laughed. <laughs> That's a pretty loud clap for a baby now. That's, yeah. It's probably better, right? Alright. It's always terrifying <laughs> when a baby can be coordinated enough to clap. <sighs> coordinated enough to clap or possibly see imaginary friend demons. That's who, yeah, that's pretty. What do you think he saw on the footage? A man a man start leave the dead animal this time? Because he hadn't seen it before. Well, he said he didn't see anything, right? This last time? No, he said I just can't. When I looked at the security footage, I just can't understand it. I couldn't find anything at all. So that's even terrifying. More, more terrifying isn't a word. More, ter <laughs> more terrifying er, it is more terrifying er. The, because that the fact that he f just finds a dead animal and there's no real, you know, he just materialized explanation. The camera found a dead cat. What if he's got a doormat that can grow animals but can't grow? I'm starting alive? to assume Mr. Smiley is just a creeper. You know, like pen pal. It's just one, it's just a creeper. These are my, like, 
the monsters that I hate the most because they're uh, the monsters that are most plausible. The human monster. Fuck yeah, man. Um, Tom Bombadil read a, uh, and I read a story about a ghost that's literally just a creepy, creepy bitch that just follows you your entire life without changing any of her physical appearance. Oh, Jesus. As you get older, she is the same age and always follows you. And, um... And this story is kind of like... Uh... Gerald's game when she sees the, uh, the skeleton man. And she thinks he's, like, a fucking hallucination. You know? Mm. Like, this kid is looking outside thinking he's not seeing anything real. And he probably is. And his parents just don't see it. Well, it's fine not. It might still be a supernatural mushroom-headed man. Wouldn't I love that if that were the case? Mushrooms can be scary, dude. Mushrooms can be scary. <laughs> last night when my dad called... Mm-hmm. Last night when my dad called me to catch up, I couldn't help bringing up the old house. Hey, do you remember the house we lived in when Jess and I were really little? I asked tentatively. My dad went silent for a moment. Are you talking about the one a couple blocks down from where Ben and Jerry's? I suddenly remembered all those summer days that my parents would walk us to the ice cream shop to get big, dripping cones. Those were good memories. (laughs) And I also realized that I would now be able to find the house by myself if I wanted to. The thought sent a chill down my spine. Yeah, that's the one, I said slowly. We didn't stay there for too long, huh? I don't really remember why we decided to move. It was a pretty decent neighborhood. The schools at the new house were better, and your kids got your own rooms. You guys were crazy about decorating your rooms, he said quickly. Anyway, let me pass the phone on to your mom. She wants to talk to you. I knew I couldn't bring it up with my mom. She's been dealing with anxiety problems for years. She can't even drive without having a panic attack, so bringing up an unpleasant time from the past would just cause her pain. I talked to her about what I made for dinner and how work was going, and then hung up. I remember exactly when things took a turn for the worst. It was the same week that Jessica started talking. We were all so excited at first when she announced at breakfast, Banana. Our parents ran to go get the video recorder, and I sat in the kitchen eating my Cheerios and telling her how smart and awesome she was. I remember dreaming about how she'd soon be old enough to play My Little Pony with me. Oh no. The bronies. I I think this is a daughter. Is it? What's the impression I'm getting? And that we could watch all my VHS tapes of Disney movies together. I wanted to be like the kind of sisters that you saw on TV shows who grew up to be best friends. Over the next week, Jessica quickly added new words to her vocabulary. Mama, Papa, Lily, that was her version of Ellie, my name. Chi, she loved cheese. Fuck, I fucking love cheese. Who doesn't love cheese? Cheese is the fucking best. I really thought you were gonna say those in a baby voice. I don't think I can. I'm thinking it sound like fucking Yoshi. <laughs> Hell no. Or, yeah, like Strip. Uh, Stitch from uh, Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, he's a true comedy. It was all adorable until a few days later when we were sitting down for bed. My mother had just tucked us both into bed and turned out the light when Jessica sat up, straight in her crib, 
pointed out the window and said as clear as day, Friend. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Shh, Jessie, it's time to go to sleep, I said, trying in vain to get her to lie back down, even though I knew she wouldn't be able to sleep a wink for the rest of the night. The way she stared out the window with her sweet baby smile made me feel uneasy. She shook her head, the little ringlets of her hair falling adorably into her face. No sleep, she said solemnly. Time Time to play. play. Time to play. (laughs) Even though she'd been speaking in the past few days, we didn't hear her say anything resembling a coherent sentence. Now she was telling me that it wasn't time to go to sleep because she wanted to play. I was torn between pride and being terrified out of my mind. Yeah. Okay, I said shakily. I'll play with you, Jesse. I turned on the light and took my plastic box of Barbie dolls I kept underneath my bed. Carefully, I lifted Jessie out from her crib to carry her to my bed, which was further away from the window. I couldn't help glancing outside, but didn't see any strange shadows in the window. We played with the dolls for what felt like hours. I had my prized bell doll, and Jessie got told onto the prince with the detachable beast head, until Jessie's eyelids started to droop and she fell asleep right on my pillow. I lifted her up carefully and put her back into the crib. Sleep tight, Jessie, I said. I left the lights on all night. The same thing happened the next night and the next. Each time we were put into our beds, Jessie would say something about how it was time to play and mention her friend. Each time, I'd pull out my dolls and play with her. On the fourth night, though, sleep deprivation had caught up to me. I'd been falling asleep in class, and my teacher, a red-faced woman with frighteningly large feet, had told me to shape up. When Jessie told me that it was time to play, I shook my head. No way, Jessie, I yawned. I'm going to sleep. Jessie, play with friend? She responded, her eyes big and round. The way she said it made me shudder. But I ignored my uneasy feeling, and after all, she was just a baby. So what if she said she had a friend? I walked over to the window one last time and looked out, and there was nothing there. Satisfied, I went back to my bed, crawled under the covers, and promptly fell asleep. In the middle of the night, I awoke to the sound of Jessica giggling. (laughs) I groggily pulled myself up to snap at her, and then froze. Behind her crib, the curtains of the window were rustling from the wind. Somehow, the window had opened in the night, even though it only opened from inside. And even more chilling was the fact that in her crib, Jessie had both the Beauty and the Beast Barbie dolls, the same ones that I kept stored underneath my bed at all times. Jessie play with friend, she said. People always think that stories like this escalate and keep getting worse. We always think it's like the movies, where the family starts to experience something weird and hurriedly moves out within a week. It wasn't like that for us. At all. When the first window incident happened, I told my parents, but they didn't believe me. Don't open the window like that, Ellie! My mother scolded, eyes wide with fear. It's dangerous, my god. My father did the same thing, and he mentioned dead animals that were still showing up on our doorstep. They're people who are sick out there. You understand me? He said. I was only six years old at the time. 
And so I imagine the kind of people dropping off animals at our door. People would be coughing and wiping their runny noses. <laughs> Ew, gross. Exactly, my father nodded. They're very gross. Because I was afraid of getting in trouble with my parents now, I took sleeping under the covers. I took the sleeping under the covers and barricaded in, followed my stuffed animals on the edge of the bed. Every morning I'd wake up before my parents came in. I wasn't sleeping very well anyway, and closed the open window. Yes, the window was now opening mysteriously in the middle of every single night. I'd collect my dolls in Jessica's crib and try to smile back when she greeted me with a grin. Jesse love Lily. She'd say. <laughs> Just imagine the baby with a demonic voice from now That's on forever. totally okay. And I'd tell her I loved her too, even though sometimes I wish I didn't have to share a room with her. And believe it or not, I got used to it. One thing that helped, kinda, is the fact that I didn't see Mr. Smiley very much anymore, at all. I'd catch a glimpse here and there sometimes, and sometimes I'd be left literally breathless. When I scampered into my bedroom in the middle of the in the middle of the day, only to find his figure standing in the backyard, looking into our room. But for the most part, I'd only catch a glimpse of his shadow in the window while I was falling asleep. I'd mutter under my breath, "Please don't let him get me." As I drifted off, and it seemed to work. Jessie started to talk more and more. The things she said seemed strange. Every morning I'd wake up and close the window, and every morning. She'd regale me with the tales of what she did with her friend. Now that she was more of a chatterbox, she started to call him Mr. Smiley. Mr. Smiley always happy, she told me. Especially when I see when he see Jesse. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't spend so much time with Mr. Smiley, I meekly suggested. He's a stranger. Jesse shook her head, her expression very serious. Mr. Smiley, no stranger. Mr. Smiley, always here. Even when Lily, no see him. Well, I said, I don't like Mr. Smiley, okay? I don't want him in here. Jessie looked sad. Mr. Smiley, like you. She said, Mr. Smiley, like you a lot. The way she said it sent a shiver down my spine. I didn't talk to Jesse for the rest of the day. <laughs> when I came home from school, I played outside with my plastic tea set and my stuffed animals. I pretended I was having a picnic with Agnes the elephant and Jonas the bear. There was a girl in my class who lived next door and we'd leave each other notes in a knot hole in the fence between our houses. Now that we could write and read in rudimentary sentences, I saw a paper stuck in the knot hole and went over to read it. When I pulled it out, I froze. The note was written on a torn-up piece of newspaper, unlike the pl pretty flowery stationery that my neighbor usually got from her mom. All it said was, Why won't you play with me? Stay up and we can have so much fun. I crumpled up the note and stuffed it underneath my mattress because I didn't even know where else to put it. That night I could hardly eat my dinner even though it was mac and cheese with broccoli. My f Ooh, damn, it was balling. My favorite. My favorite. My mother kept feeling my forehead and asked me if I feel sick. And I said that I felt a little woozy from staying out in the sun all day. Well, let's give you a nice bath and you can go to sleep early, okay? She said. I nodded because I liked the idea of sitting in the bathtub with my mother's soothing presence there. I wanted to be taken care of like a little baby. 
After all, Jesse got most of the attention these days, and my parents were too busy to do anything but feed me. And, eh, get me to and from school. After dinner, I got into the bathtub, and my mother pulled out all the stops. I can still almost smell the rose-scented bubble bath and feel the way her fingers massaged my scalp. I asked her to sing Christmas carols. Oh, she gave me a bath. That's fucking weird. <laughs> oh, she gave me a bath, and she did, even though Christmas had punched Matt. Merry, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> even though Christmas had passed months ago. I hope this episode airs on Christmas. This would be a Christmas miracle. <laughs> Finally, she wrapped me up in a big fluffy towel and hugged me. The gesture almost made me cry with relief. Can I sleep with you and daddy tonight, mommy? I don't feel too good. She looked at me like she was going to say no, but she smiled and gave me another hug. Okay, sweetie, but just this once, because that's fucking weird. <laughs> I got in my pajamas and spent a blissful night wedged in between my mother and father. I slept better than I had in a long time. The next morning I woke up and went into my bedroom to get dressed for school. I smiled when I saw the window was closed, for once, and Jesse was fast asleep. I picked out a jumper and a pair of leggings and put them on. It was only after I put on my velcro shoes that I saw something out of place. The piece of paper that I had crumpled and stuffed in my mattress had been smoothed out and placed on my pillow. I approached it with apprehension. The note was flipped over and not on the opposite side of it. It simply said, We missed you. Typing that out gave me a migraine. Reliving all of those weird childhood experiences always makes me feel uncomfortable. Now that I've started though, I feel like I need to get to the bottom of the story. I even feel like I should pay the old house a visit. Though I think I'd need to get either really drunk or really brave, or maybe both, to do that. Edgy. Edgy. Hell yeah, bro, getting wasted. <laughs> Sorry. To all of you out there, I know I've disappointed you just now. <laughs> Jessica and I have to do our weekly Skype date on Sunday morning, though. We usually drink mimosas and catch up. Since we'll both be drinking... I hope that I'll be able to ask her some more about Mr. Smiley and if she remembers him. Maybe the alcohol will trigger a memory. <laughs> Who knows? That doesn't That's seem... what happened last time, though, so he has the precedence now. That just seems dishonest. <laughs> I don't know. Drunken, too. The drunken truth is the sober truth. Yeah, but that's fucked up if you, like, get someone drunk to get them to tell. That's, that's just toxic behavior. I mean, I agree. <laughs> it's definitely a form of manipulation. It is. I I, I thought I was crazy. It's it's it is. See, it's crazy. That's 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 no good. I'll keep you guys posted <laughs> if I learn anything new. <laughs> so, um, I still think, I still think this is going pen pal. I still think this is gonna be like an actual person that you know the parents maybe never see, but they catch on to later. I, I think I'm holding out for Supernatural because... You're a magical person. Well, he didn't appear on the camera. And he doesn't know the camera was there. Yeah. Could have also just come through it. But I also am just a, a magical person. <laughs> you are a magical person. <laughs> I, I, I choose to take that as a compliment. No, fa fantasy, you are a fantasy fan. I'm a fantastical man. Fantasy man. Jessica and I had our <laughs> Skype date yesterday, and it was a little strange. To give you some background, Jessica and I had been pretty close, 
and not at all creeped out by each other. Haha! <laughs> Since she got to high school and we actually found that we had things in common. So now that baby sister's all the way across the country in sunny California, we get online on Sunday mornings, her time, order Chinese food, drink mimosas, dink mimosas, or beer, and chat about our weeks. It that makes me feel... Baller. Yeah. It makes me feel like we're so close, even though we can't afford the plane tickets to visit each other. Yesterday's Skype date started normally enough. Jessica was telling me... Uh, about her one summer school class she almost done, thank God, and some guy she made out with at a bar. Aren't you too old for that kind of stuff? I teased her, and she swigged down a bottle of beer. We actually ended up getting a six-pack six of Guinness each. You should settle down and get a nice boyfriend. She snorted. Whatever, you hadn't had a boyfriend in years. Yeah, but I'm not about bars every night making out with randoms. We kept chatting back and forth like this until we were both three or four beers in and almost done with our takeout. I was feeling a little buzz and Jessica was definitely starting to giggle and sway at everything. Hey Jess, I said. Can we talk about Mr. Smiley? Oh my god, she groaned. Why do you want to keep talking about him? We got rid of him, isn't that enough? It's weird how quickly you can feel sober when you're talking about a serious subject. I sat up straighter as soon as Jessica let on that she remembered Mr. Smiley. What are you talking about? I asked carefully. The last time you mentioned him, you asked me what happened to him. Well, yeah, she said, nodding and giggling. <laughs> I don't know exactly what happened to him, but I know that Daddy got rid of him. When? I asked, trying to keep my voice from trembling. Right before we moved to the new house, silly, she said. When he found out that Mr. Smiley wouldn't leave us alone. I tried to get more information out of Jessica out of this, but she had gotten bored with the conversation and moved on to how scared she was about graduating in the job market. <laughs> I calmed her down and then got off the computer feeling a little sick and overall just sleepy. I think I have to start talking about when it was my father actually... I think I have to talk about when it was that my father actually seemed to start believing me. That was a fucking sentence. That was a, yeah... It took a long time, months of me begging to sleep in the room with my parents, months of showing them my toys upended in the morning. My parents are great people, but I think that to them, it really did look like I was throwing a tantrum because I wasn't getting enough attention anymore. And at this point, the dead animal gifts had stopped appearing on our doorstep, and as far as they were concerned, our problems were over. But then I got smart, for a seven-year-old at least. I started sleeping in my parents' bedroom and insisting that they take a look at the state of the room before I went to bed, and then checking on it the first thing in the morning. At first, my father was skeptical when he saw my dolls and stuffed animals crammed in Jesse's crib. Did you get up in the middle of the night and do that? He demanded. No, I shook my head. I was in bed the whole time. The next day, I made sure that my parents knew I was in bed the whole night. I told them that they could watch me, which they originally laughed off. I even said that they could stay up and listen to Jessica's baby monitor, just in case they could hear our tours being moved around. Unbeknownst to me, my father left a tape recorder running next to the baby monitor to see if he could capture any noise or movements. When he woke up the next morning, I was still asleep, but he checked on our room first saw the stuffed animals disturbed on my bed and the dolls in Jessica's crib and went back into the master bedroom to listen to the tape recorder. I could still remember waking up to him shaking my mother and I awake saying, wake up, someone was in the house, she's not lying. <laughs> Terrifying. 
He was holding Jessica in his arms and looked terrified. What happened? What did you hear? I asked. My mother shushed me and told me to go into the master bathroom. The master bedroom bathroom. They locked the door and I could hear their hushed voices outside as my father replayed the tape. Though I couldn't quite hear through the door, I could only hear bits of the conversation as I pressed my ear against the door. Should we call the police? My mother asked, her voice shaky. I don't know, Karen. My father said he sounded agitated. The window was locked. I just don't understand how anyone could get inside like that. It makes no sense to me. I just don't understand it. <laughs> In the end, my parents did call the police, who came and couldn't find any signs of breaking and entering. I remember sitting in my bedroom and watching the two officers come in, listen patiently to the tape recorder, and investigate our bedroom. They came out and told my parents that they didn't have any other advice other than to reinforce the window more and to maybe set up a video camera in our bedroom. My parents nodded and thanked them for their time. For a long time after that, my parents set up the baby monitor in our room, but for moved Jessica's pack-and-play crib to their bedroom. We all slept in the master bedroom, and my father monitored the baby monitor feed every morning. The first few days, there was no activity whatsoever. On the fifth day, though, my father woke up and checked the recorder as usual. It was lying in bed with my mother when we heard it, the unmistakable sound of things being violently thrown around. My father grabbed a baseball bat from underneath the bed and rushed out of the master bedroom, instructing my mother to lock the door behind him. We waited for what seemed like forever, my mother clenching the phone in her hand while holding me and Jessica close to her. I cried in fear while Jessica laughed and clapped her hands. Play, she said. Time to play. When my father finally opened the door again, he looked shell-shocked. We all went to check out the room. My clothes and toys were strewn everywhere. Even my books had been thrown onto the floor. Jessica's crib was perfectly untouched, though, except for a note on the pillow that read, Give her back to me. We have to do something about this, my father said, his voice shaking. We have to get rid of this, whatever it is. My mother nodded in agreement. I tried texting my father today to ask about Mr. Smiley and how exactly he got rid of him. Had he called the police again? Or something? I thought that maybe he'd be more willing to talk about it via text, but he hasn't responded at all. Wait, let me amend that. He has responded, but changed the subject completely every time. Mm. I think I have to go back to my old house to check it out. Mm. Maybe the neighbors know what happened. After all, the girl next door, I think her name was Maribel, was a kid too, and she had a little sister just a year younger than Jessica. Perhaps our nighttime visitors stalked all the children in the neighborhood. I'm bringing my co-worker and friend Dan with me after work. I'm definitely not stupid enough to go by myself. I'll let you guys know what happens next. That I gotta say, that was a good move. That was a good move. I like um, I like the unconventional storytelling as well. The bring a friend thing is good, but I also like that the parents are just like immediately like, the fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, we're grabbing the baseball bat. We're seeing what this Mr. Smiley's thinks so fucking funny in my neighborhood. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, <laughs> we'll see if this tough guy is smiling after my uh. 1996 Louisville word slugger kisses him on the cheek. Pow, right in Capiche. the kisser. <laughs> Pow, right in the kisser. Pow, right in the kisser. I don't know why I imagine uh, that protest voice on the dad, but... <laughs> so I definitely found out some more information that I think has to do with Mr. Smiley. As you know, yesterday after work, my co-worker Dan and I... We decided to He's make. He's just a my coworker, okay. Mm-hmm. 
and I decided to make a trip down to my old neighborhood. I didn't blow him, all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's the only person I've ever told about the Mr. Smiley business. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I thought he'd be more open to, uh, I thought he'd be more open to us. He's a big horror movie buff. And uh, actually is the person who introduced me to No Sleep. As I suspected, he was completely on board with my idea and 100% into me. He even wanted to bring a tape recorder and condoms. And the <laughs> Polaroid camera document I visited. And a couple other things. Mm. And I immediately nixed it because it seemed invasive and weird. <laughs> yeah, not a first date activity, dude. Not a first... Come on, man. He drove over to the neighborhood right after work and looked calm as pe- he looked as calm and peaceful as ever. Someone had painted our house pale buttercup yellow, which made it look even less threatening. Uh, Dan and I went over and knocked on the door. A woman about my age opened it with her little daughter right behind you. Can I help you? She asked, smiling wildly. Blindly. Yeah, uh, I used to live here when I was little, and I just want to stop by and see the house again. It looks lovely. Oh, yeah, thank you. I've been here for a couple of years now. I absolutely love it. The little girl beside her nodded shyly. I didn't really know what to say since they seemed legitimately happy and calm. Dan and I just stood there and nodded dumbly for a moment, murmuring, Oh, good. It's great to hear. The woman beamed back, obvious, oblivious to my inner thoughts. It's such a beautiful house. I knew it felt like home the moment we saw it. Suddenly, I remembered one of my other reasons for being there. Do the Steins still live next door? I asked. I used to play with their kids all the time when I was little. Love to stop by and say hello. The woman's smile faded just a little. She was like, yeah, they still live here. She then lowered her voice. They've always been a little odd. You know, after what happened. This intrigued me. Beside me, I can hear Dan perk up. Here was something that actually might provide answers at last. Actually, I don't. I said. Do tell. Yeah. Trying to keep my tone light and vaguely interested. We moved out when I was only eight, and I didn't really keep in touch with them after that. I remember playing with Maribel and Anna all the time, though. Well, you see, the woman said, lowering her voice. That must have been around the same thing that their younger daughter, Anna, disappeared. Maybe that's why your parents moved out. I was shocked. I stood there for a moment before asking the question that popped up into my mind. Did they ever find out what happened? The woman shook her head. I don't know exactly what happened since it was so long before we moved here, but I hear that even the police were baffled. Parents woke up in the morning and their baby was just gone. Vanished into thin air. The window had been shimmied open, but of course no one had heard it at all. The girl in her blanket and the doll were just gone. There was a note scratched into the wall, apparently, but all it said was, Thank you. <laughs> the woman shuddered. Ugh. I can't imagine having something like that happen to me. She said, she pulled her daughter closer to the side. So I shouldn't go check on them then. I asked and sure what to do next. The woman shook her head apologetically. They've become shut-ins. I think the older girl moved out of state to get away from it all. The parents just have to stay in their house all day. I, mean, I only seen them a half of all time since I moved here. I tried to come over and introduce myself when we first moved in. And they wouldn't even open the fucking door. 
We stood out there for a moment looking at each other awkwardly. Well, thanks so much for your time, I finally said. It's nice to see the old neighborhood again, even if things have changed. After that, Dan and I just went back to the car in silence. We drove for a bit, and he let a loud exhale. Damn, he said. <laughs> I thought you was kidding about that creepy shit that went on. It looks like there's something weird going on here. I sighed. The headache was coming back stronger than ever, and I couldn't help but feel guilty for some reason. I thought about Anna. I hardly remember what she looked like, to be honest. Maribel and I didn't get to play with our little sisters a lot when we were together. But she was a cute kid. I remember they used to try to walk behind us and would toddle over and land flat on her face. I still don't know what the hell's going on, though, I said. I felt more lost than ever. After the incident, where our room was pretty much torn apart, my father and mother became almost militant in keeping an eye on both of us. I wasn't allowed to carpool or walk to school with friends anymore. My mother changed her work schedule so she could drop off, drop me off and pick me up every single day. Jessica used to be dropped off at daycare, but my parents started dropping her off at her grandparents' house during the week. Even then, even though it meant that my father had to drive an additional 30 minutes each way on his commute. And they started, hunt, they started house hunting. I thought they said they started hunting. I said, damn. Damn. <laughs> They're going looking. <laughs> Dunooch. And they started house hunting. This is a period I all remember well, because after work, my parents would often load us up into the car, and we'd go off into new neighborhoods and look at houses. I'm not sure how often that happened. It felt like it was daily, but I can't... But that can't be right. But during this entire time, our room continued to be ransacked regularly by a nighttime visitor who left no traces of breaking and entering. Obviously, Jessica and I continued to sleep in our parents' room every single night. My parents didn't really let us go into our bedroom anymore. One day, I went in my father's drawer in the guest room while looking for a red pen to complete one of my drawings for class, and I, what I found in the drawer made me gasp. Inside was a pile of newspaper notes that my father had put into a folder titled, For the Police. They were all notes from Mr. Spiley that I assumed had been left on a bedroom and found on my father. I flipped through some of them, feeling a pit of dread in my stomach as I read them. Give me back the girl. I will not give up. Come out, come out, wherever you are, Jesse. She belongs to me. And then I found one that was completely in a different handwriting. It had been written by my father on a... It had been written on my father's yellow legal pad paper. And was in his familiar loopy cursive. What do you want from us? You're never gonna get my baby girl, so tell me what it is. That'll make you go away. Underneath was a small note written by Mr. Stanley's familiar chicken scratch handwriting. I want to own that purity. When I own that kind of purity, I will make it mine. I will make it mine! <laughs> I want to own that purity! <laughs> I don't know why I go there. I think it's because it's in all caps. Yeah. I want to own that kind of purator. I will make it I will make mine. it mine. <laughs> oh, I can't really take this story seriously anymore. <laughs> I, um... 
unless they introduce a, a, a final part twist that sucker punches me in the dick. I mean, honestly, dude, I think I see where this is going. All right, dog. Let's get into it. It's the Hamburglar. It's the Hamburglar! Wouldn't that be the fucking ending, though? That is my it's head right now. The, it's just Grimace and the Hamburglar. Did you know them? Doing what they're doing. Those fucking mascots from McDonald's, they have good or evil alignments? Like, some of them are villains? Oh, Grimace I, is a villain. Oh, absolutely he is. He's a giant, I, he's a giant fucking purple chicken nugget, my friend. I didn't find that out until, like, maybe two weeks ago. And I was like, he doesn't want to be eaten. All the kids want to fucking eat him. Of course he's going to be a bad guy. He's going to punch all those little kids. Yeah, that's exactly what he does. Sorry, it's been a while since I posted. A lot has happened, and it's taken me some time to write it all down in a coherent way. This is it, though. Everything that I know about Mr. Smiley and what happened to us when I was a kid. So after I went to my old house, I thought that it would be a good idea to track down Maribel, since it's been so long since we talked. Thank goodness for Facebook, because I was able to add her as a friend and messenger within a day. Here's the first message that I sent to Maribel. Hey, Maribel. I don't know if you remember me, but we used to live next door to each other. It's been a long time, but I just want to catch up. I also had some questions about the old house since I've been recalling a lot of things that happened in my childhood that are disturbing and creepy. Particularly, I felt like we were being watched by some entity. I'm sorry if that sounds crazy. I know this is a stretch and I completely understand if you don't want to talk to me about it at all, but I hope you're doing well, Ellie! <laughs> to my surprise, she responded within an hour. Hey, I totally do remember you. It's weird. You're the first person who reached out to me from our hometown in a long time. I moved away pretty much right after high school and I haven't gone back except for holidays. This place has a lot of bad memories for me. I'm sure you heard about how Anna was taken right before our family moved, right? And you're wondering if I had any disturbing or creepy experiences too. I didn't. Not until Anna was taken. I don't know what kind of experiences you had, but that was the worst thing that ever happened to me and my family. Nothing was ever the same after that. I was never the same. I'm not sure what you're looking for, and I wish I could help you, but that's all I have. I'd rather not talk about it or think about it anymore. Wishing you all the best. Maribel. It made me a little sad. I don't know what I was expecting. I guess I thought maybe she'd help me solve the mystery of Mr. Smiley. That we'd become best friends again or something. But she obviously wants to move on and I can't fault her for that. It's been a long time and no one wants to carry that kind of grief around forever. I called Dan but he was out on a date with some girl he'd met at a family reunion. No, she wasn't related to him even though I made fun of him for days. And could only text back that he was busy and that we could go on more ghost hunting adventures later. I feel lonely, like no one in the world understood the experiences I'd been through. I could call my parents, but sometimes, but something about that just makes me feel uncomfortable. Why didn't my father ever tell us about that he wrote to Mr. Smiley and got a response? I wonder if my mother even knew about that correspondence. It seemed like the kind of thing he'd keep from her in order to spare her nerves. Instead, I put a movie on Netflix and just fell asleep, so I just have background noise. That's a mood. Dan told me it is. <laughs> it really, it genuinely is, though. It's kind of how I spend, like, a, a night where I can't go to sleep. Dan told me I should just write in a journal all these memories that I have and confront my father about them. It sounds a little bit like 
therapy speak or something he found online, but I've been spending the past few days racking my brain for any latent memories of our time in the house. There's one that stands out. The last time I saw Mr. Smiley, it was a few weeks before we moved. My parents had already sold the house, and we were waiting for the new one, a smaller but cozier house in the neighborhood across town, to be cleared out by the last family that lived there. I was excited. We had lived in fear for so long that it was refreshing to think of a new place, a room where I wouldn't feel alone or frightened at night. As I was packing in my bedroom with my mother and Jesse, though, I felt like I was being watched. I looked up from my cardboard box and saw there in the window the shape of Mr. Smiley. He remained silhouetted as always, but I could make out the shape of his abnormally large head, and through the gap in the curtains I could see a slick mouth and the gleam of small teeth. I started screaming. My mother immediately looked up and started screaming too, as she grabbed both of us and backed out of the room. I still remember how hard she grabbed me by the arm. It hurt, like she was going to wrench it out of its socket. Her face was contorted in terror, and that almost scared me more than seeing Mr. Smiley did. My father ran into the room after we'd left it, and I heard him banging on the window with his hands. I've never heard my father sound like that before. What the fuck do you want? He bellowed at the top of his lungs. Leave my family alone, you fucking monster! I won't let you follow us, I won't let you suck my kids! He kept banging on the window, and the sound terrified me. I don't want my father to get hurt or worse. I peeked around the corner of the doorway and saw that Mr. Smiley wasn't standing in the window anymore. He disappeared. But my father just stood there and kept screaming, his face wild with desperation. Another memory. One that makes me shiver when I recall it. It was the middle of the night. Everything in our house was already packed up in the boxes because we were going to move the next day. We hadn't seen Mr. Smiley in weeks, and I feel like... This was it. I could breathe easy. Even Jessie wasn't sitting by the window staring out into the darkness at night anymore. She never mentioned her friend or playing with him. I was so thirsty and so I pulled myself out of bed and quietly tiptoed to the door. My mother and Jessie were still sleeping and I thought my father was in bed too, but when I opened the door, I saw the silhouette of a man standing in our hallway. <laughs> I almost screamed, but then the person turned and I saw that it was my father. He didn't look right, though. Something about him scared me. He was fully dressed. He even had shoes and a jacket on. In his hand, he held a screwdriver. And when he looked at me, it was as though he couldn't really see me. Daddy? I whispered. And behind him, I could see that the door to the room was cracked open. I knew there was nothing in there but Jesse's old crib. I thought I heard a rustling from the room and a muffled little girl's laugh. But that couldn't be right. Jesse was fast asleep in the other room. I saw her there. Is, is there someone in our room? His eyes snapped back into focus and he reached behind him and pulled the door closed with a click. No, baby, he said. Then he knelt down and pulled me into his arms. He hugged me a little too tightly and buried his face in my shoulder. And when he spoke again, it sounded like his voice was breaking. I love you and your sister so much, you know. I would never let anything bad happen to you. 
I know, I said. I love you too, Daddy. He straightened up. I thought I saw him wipe at his eyes. Then he picked me up, even though I was too big, and carried me back to the master bedroom, where I promptly fell asleep next to my mother. The next day, we moved away and never came back. That was a last act twist that I actually really liked. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, after I wrote down those memories, I called in sick to work the next day. I pretty much laid around on my couch and drank Gatorade because even the concept of eating made me feel nauseous. I kept thinking about what Maribel wrote to me. Nothing was the same after that. I was never the same, and I kept wondering what her life would have been like if Anna had never disappeared. Would they be super close like Jessica and I were? Would they Skype every Sunday and save up money for months to visit each other for girls' weekends? The thought was unbearable. Finally, after spending all day pretty much milking around and emailing Dan what I'd written, I mustered up the courage to call my parents. To be honest, I was pretty relieved that my mother picked up instead of my father. Mom, I said quickly before I could lose my nerve, I need to talk to you about something. I went back to our old house the other day and I heard something. I... I heard that the Steins lost their little girl right around the time we lived there. Do you remember her, Anna? Yes, my mother said. Her voice was cautious. I remember her. She was younger than Jessica. Isn't that sad how she went missing? I pressed on. Don't you remember that happening? I'm not sure, she said. Something in her tone sounded off. It was all so long ago. I think you do remember, I said, feeling emboldened. And I think Dad knows a hell of a lot more than he's letting on. I need to know, Mom, did he have something to do with Anna's disappearance? I heard a gasp on the other side of the line, and then my mother's voice came back, steely and hard. <coughs> steely and hard. <laughs> steely. Oh. And hard. Ellie, your father loves you. <laughs> and your sister more than anything in the world. He would do anything for you. How dare you accuse him of something so terrible when he's always been there for you? I didn't accuse him of anything, I said. And you didn't answer my question. It was all so long ago. She repeated, her voice tired now. It was all so long ago. Why can't you leave it in the past? Are you so hungry? She... Did you eat today? <laughs> Did you eat dinner today? I got lasagna. <laughs> she just kept repeating the same thing. And so I eventually apologized for upsetting her and hung up the phone. That was all I needed to hear. I feel shaky, but I've been doing a lot of thinking since my conversation with my mother. Her refusal to speak about that night in question makes me feel sick in my stomach because I can feel all the disparate pieces of my memory clicking into place and I can see them clearly now. I think of how the window in Anna's bedroom was broken, even though the window in our bedroom had never been broken when Mr. Smiley visited. I think about how I found my father in the hallway that night carrying the screwdriver, how I heard something coming from our bedroom as though there was a child sitting in Jesse's crib. I think of the words that they found scratched into Anna's wall. Thank you. And then I think of my of the desperation on my father's face that last night we saw Mr. Smiley, how he banged on the window and screamed like a wounded animal backed into a corner. I can't bring myself to ask my father about what happened. My mother won't tell him that I know either. Knowing her, she'll pretend that it never happened and we won't speak of it again. All I know is that 
when I see my father, I'll still hug him. I'll still call him on a weekly basis and tell him about how work was and ask him about how his knees are doing. I'll still care whether or not he likes the men I'm dating. I'll try to be kinder and more patient with him when we disagree on politics and current affairs. Because now I know just how deep my father's love for us runs and what a terrible thing it can be. What a fucking story. Oh my god, that was terrible. Oh my goy. So we never even find out what the fuck Mr. Smiley is. Mr. Smiley might actually be a fucking boogeyman, you know? Abducting children. El Cucuy. Oh. uh, Boogeyman. uh, Stealing children from the night. Baba Yaga. (gasps) Yeah, man. Baba Yaga. Anyway, Keanu Reeves. So <laughs> we uh, we read Mister Smiley. I um, I did I did get bedtime vibes. It felt a lot mm-hmm. like bedtime had a baby with pen pal. Mm-hmm. That was terrifying, genuinely, and um, I don't I don't know why uh, I don't know why Mister Smiley didn't stick around to fight. <laughs> Fight for what it was right. Yeah, if he felt like he wanted the kid that bad and he felt like he was that hard, he could fucking knock on people's doors. Why do you gotta run like a bitch? You want my kid? Come in this house, throw these hands. Yeah, we'll right. See you. We'll see you kid as a kid at the, the end of this. Kid was still in the house, you know? He was just in the parents' room. What's stopping you, man? Yeah. You could smile on through. Come on through. Smile every day. Live, laugh, love. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, lots of Pastafarians, <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hit that like, make sure Smash to hit that, that subscribe, subscribe button. button, yo. Make sure you tick notifications so you can stay up to date with all our new... Um, Take sorry. all the drugs, fuck all the bitches, fucking kill yourself. That's honestly really great advice. Um... <laughs> Remember, folks, it's getting cold out there. Nights are getting longer. Think about wearing those turtlenecks. Lots of uh, neck warmth. You know, nothing keeps you warmer than a couple burning bridges. (coughs) Holy shit. You're so right. Nothing keeps you warmer than the fucking hatred in your soul. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Oh, well, this was episode 107 with Crying Hawaiian. Uh, I hope everyone has a... Has a good night. Yeah. Remember, folks. Look out your windows tonight. Mm-hmm. If there's someone out there, tell him to go fuck himself. If or- there's no one out there, get someone there. Call someone up right now. Tell them to stand in your back fucking yard and smile at you. And you know what you do? You tell them to fuck off. <laughs> now that's... That's what you tell people. Yeah.